0: Welcome everyone to Duf Yomi one week at a time and uh, I'm coming for, to you from New York today. Uh, next week we are going back to our regular schedule. I will send an email uh, so that means next Tuesday uh, we're going to meet at our regular time and nobody has to wake up before 6 in the morning. Um, okay, this week, uh, this is our 10th lesson And we are going to review DAF 64 through 70. Uh, For those of you who are looking, we are almost finished Masechet Yoma. Uh, We have another about two and a half weeks till the end of the Masechet. Um, So I hope that you have been enjoying this Masechet as much as I have. Um, Okay, let's get started. So on DAF 64, uh, we're in the middle of trying to understand what is the status of the the goat that is going to go to the wilderness the se'ir la azazel um what's interesting and we we mentioned this a little bit last week and we'll see more this week um it has a pair we saw that last week one of them is going to be sacrificed in the temple the other goes out to the wilderness and the question is what does that mean what is the status of the goat that goes out to the wilderness is it a sacrifice even though we know that sacrifices are not Outside of the temple, they're only in the temple, um, or is it something else? Uh, and basically, what we're going to see is that um, it's somewhere in the middle. It's uh, it's attached or it's it's connected. It, it, it's connected to or linked to the sacrifice, and therefore it does have properties. Uh, we'll see in one minute uh, that seem more sacrifice-like. Um, Okay, so let's see. Duff 64 explains uh, an idea that uh, we have. I'm not sure if we learned it before, but you are not allowed to sacrifice the, an animal and its mother on the same day. Uh, that's called Otove et Beno, but really it means uh, the mother and the, and the baby uh, animal are not allowed to be sacrificed on the same, t- on the same day. I guess it seems a, a little cruel, uh, and therefore, and, and, and that's for a sacrifice. So here the question is, on 64, um, if they sacrifice the mother of the se'ir azazel, the goat that is going to go to, um, to the wilderness, can it be used or not? Right? Again, the, the Gemara on 64 says you cannot use it. Uh, but again, the Gemara asks, but hold on, it's not a sacrifice, it's not being sacrificed in the temple. So why does it matter? Uh, so the Gemara explains that throwing it off the cliff is like slaughtering it for a sacrifice, uh, and therefore, you cannot sacrifice its mother. And also, it needs to be at least eight days old, another criteria for an animal uh, that is um, that is going to be a, a sacrifice. Um, the next idea on 64, uh, it said in the Mishnah that the second goat is sent to graze. If you remember last week, we discussed if um, if we lost or if one of the animals died, you bring a new pair and then you use one from the new pair. And then the question is, in theory, we, we had originally four animals. One of them died. Now we have three animals. Which one is considered the first and which is the second? Um, It gets a little complicated here on this daf, um, but it's basically a machloket. As we all know, in the Gemara, there are always differences of opinions. Uh, One opinion is that um, the one that's sent, again, one is sent to graze and one is sacrificed. And the the question is, which one, again, from the first pair, the original pair, or from the new pair? and basically, what is the fundamental uh, argument in in this argument? What are they disagreeing about? Um, they're disagreeing about the concept of dihu'i. Dihu'i means to be pushed aside. Uh, and the question is, if something was was unusable, you couldn't use it. Uh, so then, you can't now use it. That's that's called dihu'i when it's, something is pushed aside. Um, the question is, is this concept does it apply to a live animal. Again, remember, we had two goats. One of them died. The other one is still alive. So is that now that animal seen as unfit? And when we bring the new pair, uh, we use the the full new pair, meaning the two? Or do we say, no, this one is still alive. It's part of the original pair. We should use the original one. Um, And again, that is going to be the, that is going to be the, the argument, right? So Rav says you bring from the first pair. Again, we've seen the concept of, uh, the first one that you can use, that's the mitzvah, that's the best, uh, uh that's the best, uh, option. And therefore you should use the first one. And then the one of the second pair, that one is, uh, sent to graze. Uh, he learned it from Shkalim. If you remember those of you who have learned, uh, Shkalim with us, remember we said that you have to use, um, the thing remember we said last week we actually brought it up that there were the different boxes collection boxes and on it it said aleph bet gimel and the gemara taught us and we actually reviewed it last week as well you use aleph first right aleph is the first letter you use that one first then you go to bet right like b and then you go to c to to gimel right you have to use it in the order that it came in um that's one opinion the second opinion of course is the other one. Right? No, we should use the the second pair. Again, we're using one of the of the second pair, so the 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 second opinion is you should use the complete pair. Why? Cuz they came together and each one of them has to be alive for the other one to work. Um so that's the opinion of using from the second one. Um and uh again, uh we see the so at the bottom of 64 We again, we said that if the blood spills, then the other pair, right, the goat that's supposed to go to the the wilderness, he dies again because uh, the live animal is seen as unfit. Uh, And this is exactly our that our disagreement that we mentioned uh, at the beginning of this daf, at the beginning of this page. Um, Here, the Gemara at the bottom of 65, of 64 says, right, but also even if it's a communal uh, sacrifice. It's also left to die. Um, But if it's a personal sacrifice, um, maybe it does not die. Maybe there's a differentiation between a communal sacrifice and a personal sacrifice. Uh, At the top of 65, um, the Gemara discusses Tmura. If you remember Tmura, um, we talk about uh, here it's talking about if a korban chatat, a sin offering, if it gets lost, remember, and then the owner brought another one. We discussed this a lot in Masechet Pesachim, where we talked about animals getting—they're designated, but then they get lost, um, and then they use another one. So they, the 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 Mishnah over there says that the one, uh, this one, has to be left to die, right? And this the second one is really the replacement. Uh, but of course in that mission, it also says that there's a difference of, a, of opinion and maybe not, it doesn't die, right? But everyone agrees that the first one dies if the second one was already brought. Um, another opinion is that this, that the second one is left to agree. So As we see, uh, sorry if it's getting a little complicated, but the idea is that uh, there are uh, two different opinions, whether or not the original animal is brought as a sacrifice or is it left to graze till it gets a blemish uh, and then it's sold or does it need to die? So that's basically um, a summary of our uh, difference of opinion. Uh, Again, um, the the Gemara continues discussing this this, uh, disagreement if it's the first pair or the second pair that's left to die. Um, Okay, so now the question is, why we're, we're just going to question the original assumption. The original assumption is if the blood of the of the animal that was going to be sacrificed uh, die, if the the blood spills and you can't use it, uh, we said that the the goat that's going out to the wilderness needs to die or or needs to to graze. Uh, and the question is why, right? It was um, it, it's still alive. Why do we need to get rid of it and bring a new one? Uh, So the Gemara says that um, it needs to be alive for all the blood applications to be done, right? As we mentioned last week, we went through all the different blood applications in the temple. Um, The other goat needs to be standing alive while that is happening in the temple. Um, And interestingly, uh, uh, the Gemara brings up when we learned in Masachet Shkalim about the idea that if you sent your money with a with a messenger and it doesn't it gets lost on the way right you need to take um you need to take a a, a a vow that you sent it um and then you pay again and if you found the money so it can't be used um for next year remember we said in Maseket Shkalim every year is is used for that year it cannot be used for next year um and here we get into the next question which is what about the, the the goat or the bull of Yom Kippur? Can you use it from one year to the next? Again, as we mentioned, let's say you had to bring another one, a replacement, or it got lost and then you found it. Can you save this animal for the next year? So Rabbi Huda says you cannot use it for the next year because, again, it was bought with communal funds, remember, with the shkalim, and you can't use it from... Uh, from one year to the next, right? Every year you collect new communal funds uh, and therefore it needs to die. Um, The Gemara continues on 65 and says how in Nisan, in the month of Nisan, um, the communal sacrifices are bought from the new funds. Remember we said Masachat Shkalim, all the Shkalim, the machatzita Shekel that were collected uh, for the new year, that is going to fund all the communal sacrifices from Nissan uh, for the new year, uh, and therefore we said that um, you cannot use animals from the year before. Uh, the Gemara says, "Well, maybe uh, not the maybe the animals from Yom Kippur are different, uh, and maybe they can be used." Um, the Gemara says, "No, they cannot be used." One answer is, as we mentioned, communal funds. The other is uh, it's going to be too old, right? So one of the animals needs to be uh, one year old or within its first year. If you wait a year, it will not be right within its first year because it's going to be too old, right? From one year to a net to the next, uh, and and the Gemara discusses what does it mean a year old, and and this is very interesting, right? We're used to right. Does it go by three hundred and sixty-five days? Uh, or 12 months, meaning from day to day, as we know, like your birthday is the same year is the same day every year, but it's not always 365 days, uh, from, uh, from the last year. Again, especially if we're talking about, um, from the Hebrew date, it is not going to be 365 days. Um, so there's a discussion at the bottom of 65. What does it mean a year, uh, 365 days or from the date, um, so again as we see at the top of 66 uh, again from one Yom Kippur to another is not 365 days again the Hebrew calendar is a lunar calendar not a solar calendar and therefore it is uh it is less uh it is less than 365 days um so uh wait Lazette can are you speaking i can't hear you Okay, uh, you can write in the chat. Chat, can you hear me? Lazette, can you hear me? Okay, I can't hear you. So if you want to unmute, you can speak. And if not, you can uh, type in the chat and let me know what your comment was. <laughs> um, okay, um, I'm going to continue. So DAF 66. Um we said that um ah why can't so maybe again we said maybe uh the animal for from yom, last yom kippur is within a year old so it really could be used the gemara says no uh we don't want it to be used because um we we were are concerned maybe there'll be a mishap uh maybe someone is going to use it throughout the year uh in the wrong uh in the wrong time, uh, and therefore, um, if something is sanctified, we do not keep it around for an entire year. Uh, We're going to uh, get rid of it and have a new animal for the next year. Um, So some people say we are concerned for mishaps. Uh, Some say that we are not concerned for mishaps. Um, And now we're going to go to the next Mishnah, Uh, I'm going to share some pictures with you. Uh, Hold on one second. Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. Uh, I will open my chat if someone wants to uh, write something so I can see you. Um, okay. Yes. Did you did you want to say something? I don't know how. You, okay, now we can hear you. Did you want oh, to say something? Yes. It's not just it's not just a lunar calendar. It's both, Correct. but more lunar than solar. All right. I can't excellent. talk anymore because it's echoing now. Okay, so excellent. So you can you can unmute your you can mute yourself. I don't know uh, how excellent. yet. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Uh, no. Right. Okay. Here you can you can mute yourself, but correct. Uh, our, our the 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 Hebrew calendar is lunar and solar. It's connected to both, uh, but for the the days for the day of the year, it is uh, lunar as opposed to solar. Correct. Excellent. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, let's go to our to the next um, Mishnah. The next Mishnah is um, is going to uh, explain the. We're going to continue uh, to discuss what happens on Yom Kippur. Um, and, um, here we go. We're on 66. Um, the, the, the Kohen Gadol, the, the high priest now goes to the Seir LaZazel, the goat that is going to go out to the wilderness. Uh, he leans over him and he says his Vidui, the prayer of atonement. Um, and he says, right, um, the children of Israel have sinned. Uh, please forgive them, um, as it says in the Torah and he asks, um, For forgiveness for them. Uh, The priests and uh, the nation, when they hear the name of God, they are going to kneel and bow down and say, Baruch Shem Kevod Malchuto, as we mentioned before. Um, And just an interesting aside, I think I mentioned this uh, previously, but um, on Yom Kippur, when we read the Yom Kippur service uh, and we get to these moments in the prayer, Um, we actually, or there is a, 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 um, a tradition or a custom, um, to actually bow down. And say Baruch Shema Kavod Malchuto. So um, the idea is that we are mirroring uh, what actually happened in the temple courtyard when everybody heard the name of God. And on Yom Kippur, we do that as well. So it's just interesting. Uh, I really hope that when Yom Kippur comes around, uh, your your prayers will be. Uh, I hope more uh, more more enriched uh, after mm-hmm. our learning. Um, Okay, so uh, then the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, gives it uh, to the person who is going to take it out into the wilderness. Um, and uh, the question here is, is it a Kohen? Is he a priest? Is he a regular uh, person? Uh, the, the Mishnah continues and tells us that um, there was a ramp that, uh, that led him out into the wilderness uh, so that people couldn't pull out his hair. We're gonna mm-hmm. discuss this in the Gemara. Um, So the Gemara says on 66, um, Mm -hmm. wait one second. Um, So the the Gemara says on on 66 that this was an Ish-e-T, he was a designated man, Uh, he could have been uh, anybody, he doesn't have to be a priest, Uh, he was prepared, meaning he was already um, um, ready to go from before Yom Kippur, they knew who it was going to be um even if it's on shabbat even if he's tame um he does uh he does do it uh and he, and we do send him out into the wilderness um and uh basically the what's the issue of shabbat that if the goat gets sick and he can't walk he can actually pick up the goat and and take him with him uh even if it's on shabbat meaning it is it Is it considered carrying or not? Uh, The Gemara says, well, uh, it's, it's, um, on Yom Kippur, it's not a problem. On Shabbat, it would be a problem to carry. But we say that for this, it's okay. Um, And uh, he can still, uh, even if he becomes Tameh, he can still go into the temple courtyard to get the goat. Uh, That's how serious this is. Um, And here... Uh, Rabbi Eliezer is being uh, Rabbi Azar is being asked uh, a number of questions here on Daf sixty six, um, and it seems that he responds in a very um, evasive way. Um, and in the end, we find out that it's not because he doesn't know the answer, rather that he wouldn't uh, um, give a ruling on something that he didn't hear directly from his teacher while his teacher was alive. Uh, and here we really, here we really see this idea of, um of, um, of, of honor that one gives his teacher. Uh, and this is what Rabbi Elazar does. So uh, we're going to go through a, a number of questions that he's asked. Uh, one is, uh, again, can he carry the goat if it gets sick? Um, and right, can he get someone else to take the goat right if he was designated can he now designate somebody else um what if ah uh, what if he pushes off the goat and what if it doesn't die right does he uh, right he needs to actually go down the cliff and kill it um right, does he um does he get olam habad does he get uh, um the afterlife um and uh the, the gemara says um Right? Can a shepherd? Right? His answers. Can a shepherd save sheep from lion? Right? Uh, um, can right? Again, a whole bunch of questions are being asked, um, and uh, again, as I mentioned, uh, the the answers are quite uh, evasive. Um, the The question here says that there are three different deaths uh, to those who did cheta uh, egel. Since we're talking about uh, a goat, so we go on to the the sin. Of the golden calf Um, and the the Gemara talks about those who actually sacrificed to the golden calf. Again, this was seen as um, as idol worship Uh, those who sacrificed actually were killed by the sword. Those who just kissed it got a plague Uh, and those who really wanted to be involved, but weren't um, got this like a disease. And then they died Um, and. Again, uh, here the Gemara talks about more about the the sin of the golden calf that the the Levites right Shevet Levi uh, did not serve the golden calf right when Moshe said Mi lahashem Elai who whoever for God come to me uh, the 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 Levites did come and they did not um, worship the golden calf um, okay uh, here uh, ah we talked about making a ramp so that nobody can pull out the hairs of the goat. Uh, the the question here says that the uh, the Alexandrians would pull out the hair. Um, here the Gemara calls them Bavlim, right, Babylonians, uh, because they they really did not like the Babylonians, um, and uh, they, therefore they built this walkway so that nobody can touch the goat as it went out, right? And they said quickly, right, you have to go quickly because we want to get atonement. Um, the next Mishnah at the bottom of sixty six. Uh, explains how the goat went out into the wilderness, uh, that basically the people of Jerusalem would escort uh, the Ish iti, the man and the goat to the 1st hut. Um, and basically, there were a total of 10 huts from Jerusalem till the place where they needed to go. Um, and it was 12 mil. Uh, which is about—I uh, looked it up. I think about seven and a half miles. That was the—that was the direction. Uh, that was the distance. Um, and people could only walk from one um, hut to the other. Um, and basically, this takes us back to Masechet Shabbat. Those of you who have been who learned Masechet Shabbat with me, we learned the concept of Tchum Shabbat, meaning that. Um, You can only go 2000 amot outside of the city limits. Uh, That was about one meal and therefore, or Roman mile, that's meal. Uh, And therefore, um, anybody who is going from one hut to the other could only go, uh, every hut was one meal apart. Um, And therefore, you could only go to the net, you would escort him to the next hut. Uh, And then the last, again, so if you do the math, so Every hut was one mil apart. There are ten huts that would leave two at the end. So the people escorted him one meal, and then he walked by himself one mil into the um into the wilderness. Okay. Uh Daf 67 uh says that they would offer him food and drink, right, and water each at each hut. Again, don't forget it's Yom Kippur. He is fasting. And what's interesting is that um, when when he got there, he really never ate. But the fact that he knew that he could eat helped him along. So that's interesting for those of us who who fast, see if that would help you. Uh, When he got to the wilderness, uh, hold on one second. Uh, Okay, you can see a picture of the wilderness. When he got to the wilderness, um, he, it's interesting, they, they, the, it's, it's white here, but really it was red in the beginning. Uh, so, okay, uh, it, it's supposed to be red, right? Again, it's a red rope that's around his horns. Uh, the Mishnah tells us that he would split the red rope. Uh, it is going to hopefully turn white, but at this point, while the goat is still standing, it's not white, it's red. Um, he would split it in half, half he ties on the rock, which you can see here, uh, and half he ties on the horns of the goat um and then um he pushes it backwards and um and it would as you can see here and, and it's nice that it shows you it's not desert in the sense of sand dunes it's if, if those of you who have visited israel um this is um this is um the wilderness it's very rocky we're on a cliff um, um sarah we're going to talk about the huts in a minute uh, on 67 and 68, but right now uh, the Mishnah is telling us a little bit about it. And then we'll talk about uh, our Mishnah talks about the huts that are uh, 12, 12 mil outside of Jerusalem. You're right that on 68, we're going to get a difference of opinion. So we'll see that in a minute. Um, here on 67, we're finishing up the Mishnah um, that again, the, the goat would be um, pushed off of the cliff and it would get torn apart as it uh as it rolls down the cliff um and then um he would then go back again, this man, the ish it would go back um to the last hut again, he walks the two meal back and he's weak and he's fasting. He waits till the end of Yom Kippur um his clothing becomes tame um and become impure. And now we're going to see a difference of opinion. Uh, does it become impure when he leaves Jerusalem, meaning at the beginning of his journey, or only when he pushes the goat off of the cliff? Um, okay, so now on 67 at the Glamara, we're going to see differences of opinions um, how many huts there were and, um, and uh, what the distance was. So again, our Mishnah said 10 huts, 12 um, mil. Another option is nine huts in 10 mil, or maybe it was only five huts with 10 mil. Um, and again, with an Eruv uh, that lets you walk two mil instead of only one mil. Or maybe there are only two huts with 10 mil. Uh, and this gets uh, complicated in terms of, again, our issue is, of course, the Eruv. We want to make sure that people can escort him that he's escorted almost the whole way. And we know that the um, Eruv needs to be at a certain point. So um, again, uh, the, the Gemara says that maybe people make an Eruv towards Jerusalem and the other make an Eruv towards the next hut, And then each one can walk to, uh in each direction. Remember we talked about when we learned in Eruvin, you can decide which way you want your Eruv to go, to the east or to the west. If you remember, one person cannot do both, but different people can do different ones. Uh, so, here there's a scenario where from the same hat, some people make an Eruv to go basically towards line. Some people make an Eruv to go towards uh, the next hat. And therefore, you get more of a distance uh, in each direction. Um, our Mishnah, again, as I mentioned, is like the first opinion, which is 10 hats. 12 mil, meaning everybody's just escorting to the next hut. Um, As I mentioned uh, by the Mishnah, but here it says in the Gemara that he never needed the food, but again, it was good to offer it to him uh, so that he would feel better uh, when he he continued on his journey. Um, Okay, so the question is that he, we said that he splits the rope half on the rock, half on the goat, and the question is why? Right, why, the, why doesn't it either all go on the goat or all go on the rock? Um, again, maybe he can't see the goat, so therefore you need it on the rock. Um, and then, um, again, uh, the, the Gemara discusses how originally there was, they would actually tie it in the temple, right? Not here on a rock, but in the temple. And then everybody could see if, if they received... Um, one second if everybody if everybody can uh, just mute one themselves it's in Spitz. it's so beautiful it Come outside a little bit if if everybody can mute themselves okay, i appreciate it uh, oh i'm sorry it's okay um thank you and um okay so we're talking about the red rope that was tied uh on half on the goat and half on the on the rock the the Gemara on 67 uh, describes that originally they would tie it in the temple, half on the in the temple, and the the entire nation would wait to see if they received atonement. Meaning, uh, again, this is a beautiful idea, right? When we're sitting on Yom Kippur in shul, uh, we don't know if our temp- if our prayers are answered. We hope they are. We send them, you know, up um, and we pray, but we we don't get an answer necessarily. I mean, we do, but we don't always understand the answer. Um, Here, the the Gemara describes that originally, they could actually see the answer to their prayers immediately. When the goat would get pushed off in the wilderness, that red rope would turn white. As you can see here in the picture, it's already white. Um, They would see it turn white. Um, But the issue was, right, what happens if it didn't turn white, right? The Gemara describes that when the people didn't do proper tshuva, proper repentance, um, their, 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 uh, their prayers were not received, uh, and it didn't turn white. So, uh, the, the Gemara describes how they would be so sad to see it not turn white. Um, and therefore they decided to put it on the inside of the sanctuary. Um, but then they decided, forget it. Let's put it out in the desert. Only the, Ish et, the man who took the goat out. He could see, um. If, if it turns white or not, the nation does not see it, which is uh, very interesting. Um, The Gemara now in 67 continues and um, describes if the limbs, again, we just mentioned the goat being pushed off the, the, the cliff. um, Are the limbs um, permitted for benefit uh, or not? Now, we would say, obviously, it shouldn't because uh, it's like a sacrifice and you shouldn't be able to use it. However, the Gemara says we're you're in the desert, and what happens if someone walks by and sees it? Uh, they don't know what the, the these animal bones are. They don't they don't know uh, where it came from, and therefore we're concerned that people would get um, would get confused. Um, so there is, of course, a machloket uh, whether or not you can use these limbs uh, or not. Um, again, uh, the Gemara says that these. Uh, the, the entire temple service needed to be done in the temple and in the Mishkan in the tabernacle, right? As we know, um, the, the, the temple was, uh, or originally had a, um, a, a more temporary home. Uh, the Mishkan, it started off in the desert, uh, went, it wandered in the desert with the Jewish people. When they came into Israel, it had different places. The the, the most famous and the longest uh, was in Shiloh. Um, and the Gemara says that these this service that we just mentioned was also done in the Mishkan as it was done in the temple. Um, okay. Uh, the Gemara continues, again, we call it the se'ir, the goat, that is azazel, and we kept using the word wilderness. Uh, the Gemara here discusses, where does the word azazel come from, um, right? Az-el, it's harsh, it's rugged, uh, and therefore that's the place that it's going to, it needs to be steep. Um, the 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 Gemara says that it atones for things that are, again, uza. Or Azazel Arayot. It atones for things like uh illicit relations. Um again here the Gemara talks about the three capital sins uh plus theft. We understand that those are uh prohibited, right? We understand that those are immoral. Uh what about hukim uh things we don't understand? This works very well. Last, last yesterday we read parshat chukat, uh right, we read about Para Aduma, I hope all of you remembered a few weeks ago we discussed uh, all the details of the service of the red heifer of the Para Aduma, uh, so it was a good review when we got to it last yesterday when we read it. Um, but here the Torah talks about um, chukim. right What is the value of having a commandment that we don't understand right It's very easy, says the Gemara. When something is immoral, at least in our eyes, we understand we shouldn't do it. But what about things we don't understand? Uh, here, the Gemara says uh, not eating kosher shatnez, um, right? Mixing two um, two materials. Wh- why, right? Why do we? Why is this a commandment, right? We don't understand it. Uh, Again, and it goes through numerous, uh, numerous um, commandments. And it says at the end of the verse, Ani Hashem, right? Because I am God, uh, right? I used to, my mother used to tell me things and I would say, why, why can't I do this? And my mother would say, because I said so. Uh, So uh, that's basically uh, what God is saying, right? Ani Hashem, I am God. I know what's best for you. uh, And you need to, you need to understand uh, that we don't always understand things. Uh, and I think that that's a very important lesson for us. Um, okay, let's go back. We're still on 67. Let's go back to the Ish Iti. Again, the man who's taking out uh, the person who's taking out the goat, uh, he is called, uh, again, the Ish Iti. Uh, we said that his clothing uh, becomes impure, again, because he's part of this ritual. Um, again, we asked, when does it become impure? Impure when he leaves Jerusalem or when he actually does uh, the actual act of pushing it off the cliff. Again, as we mentioned, uh, ah, another opinion is that when he gets to the cliff, right? Again, leaving Jerusalem, getting to the cliff or when he pushes the goat off. Uh, So, of course, that is a machloket uh, um, and a three-way difference of opinion. Uh, Let's go to the next Mishnah. Uh, the next mishnah, we're going to continue in our process um, again. So we're kind of split. Uh, the The goat goes off to the wilderness. Now we come back to the temple. Uh, again, we come back to the temple. the The man did not come back to the temple, uh, but we come back. the The high priest goes back to the goat and the bull uh, that were already um, slaughtered, um, and and uh, takes the parts that are going to be burnt. Uh, and he's going to burn the sacrificial part, and the rest of them uh, get strung up. You can see here. Uh, they get strung up and those are taken out to be burnt. Uh, you can see here, uh, other other uh, kohanim are going to uh, take the animal out to be burnt. Oh, you can even see, I just realized you can see, like, a Son here, you can see it's like a a, a bull's head and a goat head. Uh, I guess not if you're queasy, but it's different parts of the of the 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 bull and the goat. Uh those are gonna be taken out to be burnt. And the clothing of the people who take it out, um, they also um become impure when again the same idea, when they leave the temple courtyard or when it actually gets burnt. So again, um we're seeing um different activities that are happening in different places. Um the Gemara says, um, Again, that they take out the limbs to be burnt, it's going to be burnt later, uh, and that the animal is kind of like braided together um, and the skin is still on the flesh. Um, again, like the, the Gemara mentions, unlike a regular korba, a regular sacrifice, uh, the ola, the, the sacrifice that is normally completely burnt, um, it is flayed first and then uh, the, and then it is burnt. Uh, here, that was not the case. the The skin is still on the animals, um, and it is like a different. Uh, it's like a different uh, sacrifice that it is not slayed before it is cut up. Um, okay, we're now on sixty eight. Um, on 68, we say that it needs. To, we need to burn uh, these parts outside of the camp. Again, uh, as I've just mentioned, um, we're we're talking about two realities that are parallel. One is the Jews in the desert. Uh, The Jews in the desert had, as I mentioned, the tabernacle, the Mishkan in the center with, uh, right? The camp was all around, right? Every tribe had its place uh, around. Um, And uh, as the the Gemara mentions uh, and the Torah mentions as well, there were different machanot, meaning camps, right? The machane, the camp of, the, the Mishkan of the, the priests the camp of the Leviim of the Levites right again in the center and the camp of Yisrael of the Jews of 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 the the Jews around if something would needed to be burnt outside we need to understand what does that mean outside it generally meant outside of the entire camp of Israel. Uh, the Gemara talks about outside the three camps right Kohanim, Leviim, Israel. Outside of everything, now what's interesting is when we take that to Jerusalem, right? Again, we have the the temple, which is the the Kohanim, the camp of the Kohanim. We have what's called Har Habayit, uh, the Temple Mount, um, and then we have which is the Leviim, and then we have Jerusalem, which is seen as uh, the the camp of Israel, right? Because pe- the regular people lived. In Jerusalem and something that needed to be taken out of all three camps need to be taken out of Jerusalem. So that's our question, right? We're, we're looking at the parallels between um, Jerusalem and the wilderness, right? The, the, the desert where the Jews were. Um, so again, um, the Gemara says that um, it seems that it says in the Torah that it needs to be taken outside of the camp. The camp seems to imply one camp. The Gemara says, no, no, no. It needs to be burnt outside of all three camps. As you can see, uh, the people here are walking out. uh, It looks like, again, wilderness. Uh, It needs to be outside of Jerusalem. Um, Again, um, their clothing becomes impure and needs to be burnt outside of the three camps. Um, And the Gemara brings up different sacrifices um, That also need to be burnt outside. Again, in general, the 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 sacrifice was burnt in the temple. There are certain exceptions. Uh, those are sacrifices whose blood is applied inside the sanctuary. It's called a chatat pnimi. It goes inside the sanctuary, um, and therefore um, those animals are generally burnt. Outside of Jerusalem, in general, a regular uh, sin offering, as we mentioned previously this, the blood in general is placed on the altar uh, in the courtyard and it's burnt on the altar as well, right in the courtyard. so that's the difference between these sacrifices um, okay um ah so again our, we we bring up the para Duma, the red heifer, how it is also slaughtered outside of the temple to the east. Uh, and therefore, the Gemara says maybe we should burn the bull and the uh, and the goat of Yom Kippur also to the east, uh, or maybe it should go to the north, um, and uh, uh, again because it's slaughtered in the north, or maybe it should go to the Beit Hadeshen. This is where the ashes were already placed, um, and uh, that is basically the answer. It's placed where the ashes. Remember, we talked about Trumat Hadeshen, where they remove the ashes. From the altar, Um, so that was placed um, outside again of the temple, uh, and that is where they would burn these animals. Um, Again, the one who burns it becomes impure, not anybody else who was involved. Um, Right again, uh, if you stoke the coals, but uh, not again, not if you let's say touch the ashes that would not make you impure. Um, Okay. The next Mishnah back to the Kohen Gadol. Um, they told the Kohen Gadol that the uh goat that went out La Azazel to the wilderness had reached the cliff. Um, how did they know, right? There's no cell phone. Uh, how do they know that it got there? Again, we know it's really far out. Um, the, the Mishnah describes that there were watchmen who waved like uh, flags or kerchiefs from one to the other. Um, and that was the signal, and that's how they knew. This is reminiscent, um, I don't know if we've learned this together yet, uh, but this is reminiscent of um, Rosh Chodesh. Uh, How did they know when it was Rosh Chodesh? Uh, They would light fires in Jerusalem and send it out. We'll see in Masachet Rosh Hashanah, uh, they describe where each of the um, hilltops were and how the message got out uh, to everyone. Interestingly enough, the message is now coming in in the reverse order. It's coming out and into, uh, into Jerusalem. Uh, so they got a signal or another opinion is that it was close enough uh, so that they could walk back. People could walk back and tell them uh, and that's how they knew. Or again, as we mentioned, if the red rope was in the temple, they could see when it turned white, they would know that, uh, that, the, that uh, the goat uh, was already uh, um, pushed off of the cliff. Um, again, um, we said, um, maybe, um, maybe, uh, the, this the rope turned white, maybe before it, it got pushed off, right? Maybe it only needed to get to the cliff. Maybe, um, maybe that, or maybe even at the beginning of the wilderness, it would already turn white. Uh, again, uh, we're not sure. And with that, we finish the 6th chapter of, um, of, uh, Yoma. And we're just going to keep going. Uh, The 7th chapter is going to finish off the temple service of Yom Kippur. Um, The Mishnah describes the Kohen Gadol. Now that he finished um, sacrificing, or at least being involved with the animals, he now goes to read from the Torah scroll. Um, And the the Mishnah describes that he could read in his white clothing um, or in his own clothing. Um. And the attendant of the shul gives basically, uh, which uh, I don't know if everybody knows, but there was a shul, uh, there was a a, a shul on Har Habayit where the temple was. Um, And there was a Gabai, there was an attendant who worked there and kept it up, Um, which again, is very interesting when we think about prayer and sacrifice and how those two things go together. Um, And that there's prayer during sacrifice, which is interesting. One second, sorry. Okay. Um, okay, so let's keep going. So um, the attendant of the shul gives the Torah scroll, the Sefer Torah, to the, um, to the main Gabai. He gives it to the uh, vi- assistant high priest, who gives it to the high priest, to the Kohen Gadol, right? So it's like a procession. They each give it to one another. And then they read from Mot, which is The um, the verses that talk about the temple service on Yom Kippur, then he rolls it up and puts it in his chest. Um, And then he tells him that there's much more written in this Torah scroll than I've read. Um, And then he says the next section by heart. Uh, And then he says 8 blessings. Uh, The the Mishnah says what these 8 blessings are. Um, And then the Mishnah says that if you saw the high priest, then. Um, If you saw the high priest, then you couldn't see the goat and the uh, bull get uh, burnt and vice versa. And it's not that you're not allowed to, but you couldn't because they were done simultaneously in two different areas. Um, Okay, the Gemara says that, um, again, we're going to try to understand is reading from the Torah scroll, is it seen as a, a temple service or not? Again, uh, we see that he could wear his his um, priestly garments, his big day kahuna, if he wanted to. That would imply it's a service. But it seems that he also doesn't have to. That would imply it's not a service. So what's going on here? Um, so uh, the Gemara says that um, maybe from this discussion, we can decide if a, a Kohen, a priest, is allowed to get Personal benefit from his priestly garment, meaning are they seen as his, and therefore he can do whatever he wants with it. Right? So a doctor can wear scrubs on Sunday when he's uh, off uh, right when he's on vacation. He can wear his scrubs, or do you say, no, he needs to wear scrubs only in the hospital. They gave him scrubs to wear in the hospital and that's it. When he leaves the hospital, he can't wear them anymore. The same idea. I mean, not to compare, but right, the same idea with the priestly garments. Are they seen as um, these? These are holy garments that you may not get personal benefit from, and therefore you can only wear them when you're doing a service. Or not, uh, and here, the Gemara goes through a uh, numerous I, I, um, numerous cases where we're at 69 now. Right? Can you uh, can you sleep on the garments? Can you can you use them in different ways that you get benefit from? Uh, and the, the Gemara basically says, no, no, no. Right? You don't use them as a pillow. You put them next to you. Um. And, and basically, you can't prove uh, 1 way or another at this point. Um, And then there's a discussion, maybe they're shatnes, right? There's mixed wool and linen, and therefore, obviously, you can use them for temple service, uh, but you cannot use them for whatever you want because then you would be getting benefit from shatnes, from mixing these two materials, which we know that you can't. Uh, From here, the Gemara says, uh, no, uh, you can't learn it from that. What about uh, learning from the fact that you're not allowed to go out of the temple wearing priestly garments, right? That shows that you can't get benefit. Um, so uh, here, uh, the, the Gemara brings up, I think a very famous story, uh, but uh, a, a very uh, a fascinating story uh, about a day called, uh, the date is the 25th of Tevet. It's called Yom Hagrizim. Uh, and this was some sort of a holiday that you weren't allowed to make eulogies on. Uh, and the question is, what was this holiday and the Gemara on 69 des- d- describes that the kutim again. This was a. Uh, a nation of, um, of people, right? The Samaritans maybe uh, who lived in Israel who, um. Converted. We're not sure if they converted and how kosher the conversion was, uh, but here is actually a story about the Kutim wanting to destroy the temple. Um, and they they have this plan that they're going to destroy the temple, uh, and they sent a message to Alexander the Great that they, that the, the Jews are terrible, we want to destroy the temple. Shimon HaTzadik dresses up in his uh, priestly garments, and they all go, the Jews and the Kutim walk out to meet Alexander uh, Alexander the Great, and they meet at sunrise. And Alexander, right, bows down to Shimon Hatzadik, right? To the to the priest, the high priest. Uh, and everyone is shocked. Why is he right again? Alexander the Great, why is he bowing down to um to this priest? And he says, right, um, every day, every time I go out to battle, I have this vision and I see. This person in my dreams and that gives me victory. Right? And it seems that he he has this dream. Maybe maybe the idea. I mean, there's a lot more we can say about this. Maybe the idea is that God uh, was helping him win uh, or be victorious. Right? He's really being led by God, uh, but he definitely sees it as a sign um, and. Uh, he says, wow, this person has always brought me victory. These must be the people that I am going to give, um, um, honor to and he gives over the Kutim to the Jews. Uh, they drag them all the way to Har Grizim, which is their holy site. Uh, and then they destroy the area just like uh, the Jews wanted to just like the, they wanted to destroy uh, the beta Hamikdash. and therefore that day became a, a holiday. Uh, where we do not do sad things on that day, where we were saved from destruction. Uh, so the Gemara, why did we bring this up? The Gemara says we can see from here that uh, you can go out of the the temple in the priestly garments because that's what he did. The Gemara says no, you can't prove from here. It was what's called horaat um, sha'ah. It was a um, it was a uh, a unique. Uh, day, a, a unique time that they needed to uh, save themselves, and that's why they went out um, in, that's why he went out in the priestly garments, and we cannot prove from here if you can get benefit or not from uh, the priestly garments. Um, again, we talk about the Sefer Torah, the Torah scroll that was passed from one to the other. Um, it shows that you can give honor to a student even when the the Teacher is there, right? They gave it to the assistant high priest um, before they gave it to the high priest. Again, the Gemara says, well, it's really all in honor of the high priest. Um, and uh, then the Gemara discusses uh, the idea that it says that God is great. Uh, again, we talk about saying God's name in the temple uh, and how uh, the children of Israel cried out that Hashem, right, Hashem's name. Um, here it gets into a, another like a very interesting story about um um B'nai Israel saying that they um they they wanted the uh they didn't want to have the desire to do idol worship. Uh, they asked God for permission to destroy the uh the desire, the Yetzer Hara, the desire of idol worship. Um, So, uh, they prayed and they fasted and God sent down the this again, this desire of 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 idol worship in the shape of a lion and it roared and then they trapped it. Um, and right, God really answered them Um, and then they said, oh, wow, we did this right? I think the ideas here. They're showing that nowadays we don't really have a desire for idol worship in the. I would say in the the original sense of the word, uh, so therefore, this is one way to understand it, that it was trapped uh, by the Jewish people. Uh, another idea here is that they asked for the, the again the the Yetzer Hara, the desire of sin in in general or maybe of uh, of of um, relations. Uh, and And God says right that's not smart because if you do that, no one's going to want to have children, uh, and the world is going to come to an end uh, and they saw that they locked it up for three days and and it says nobody there, there were no children, no eggs were were hatched right nobody right in the animal in the human kingdom, nobody uh had children, so therefore um they let it go, but they blinded it again. I think this idea is um right how do we Understand the desires that people may be had in the old days versus the desires that we have nowadays. Uh, so the Gemara explains, uh, we don't have any desires for incest. Uh, and therefore, how do we explain it? Uh, we blinded the Hara, uh, of sexual relations. That's why we don't have that desire anymore, but we it's still around. Uh, so we have other desires. Uh, so I think just an interesting uh, idea. I, I'm sure there's much more we can discuss it. Uh, but um, here, let's go to, um, again, um, let's go to, to DAF 70, today's DAF. Uh, again, it talks about um, the fact that the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, skipped uh, one, like one chapter and went to the next idea. The Gemara says that's okay. In general, when we read a Torah, you have to go straight through. Um, but, uh, for here, because it was, uh, again, talking about things that have to do with Yom Kippur, it was okay to skip just a little part. Uh, the rest of the idea, um, he's, he says by heart. Um. And again, they, they again, because we don't want him to waste time rolling the Torah scroll and therefore the next part, he says, uh, by heart uh, again, he had, he says these 8 blessings. Um. Uh wait, hold on one second. Um, oh yes. So he says the eight blessings, uh, some of the blessings that we say on the Torah, right? The blessings on the Torah, um, blessings that we say in our Davening, in our Tfilah, uh, blessings about Yom Kippur, uh, blessings for the nation. Uh, and then everybody brings a safer Torah, a Torah scroll from their home uh to uh, again, praise God in all the glory. Uh, the Gemara talks about not being able to see. Remember, we said if you uh, if you want to see the the high priest reading from the Torah, you can't see them burning the limbs because they were in a different place. Uh, the next Mishnah, um, and here we get towards really the first of all the end of the picture book. Um, wait, hold on one second. That's okay. Uh the next Mishnah is uh we're getting towards the end of the day on Yom Kippur so the Kohen Gadol is going to wash his hands he takes off the white clothes he goes into the mikveh he comes out he puts on his golden clothes he washes he goes out he does his aisle right his ram uh the ram of the Jewish of the the Jewish people um and then the seven lambs of the Musaf that is going to be the the afternoon uh no, the additional sacrifice, the Musaf sacrifice, um, or maybe, and here the Gemara is going to discuss, um, the seven lambs are brought with the korban tamid of the morning, right? Maybe they're done earlier. Um, again, uh, the the bull, right, the the power of the olah and the sa'ir come with the afternoon. Uh, then he washes his hands, go to the, goes to the mikvah, puts on his white clothing. Uh, then he goes into, here's the picture, he goes into the, Kodesh uh, HaKodeshim, the inner sanctuary, to remove the Mehtaq, and you see in the picture, he's holding the shovel and the, and the spoon. Remember, he put that in, he left it in in the morning, it was a long time ago. Uh, so he goes in to take it out. Uh, he comes out, he washes, again, goes to the mikvah. puts on his gold clothing. Uh, then he's going to do, uh, here he puts on his regular clothing, it's called the gold clothing. Um, he's going to do the Ketoret of the afternoon, Again, anything done in his in his golden clothing are things that are done every single day. Putting the k'toret, the incense in the afternoon is something that's done every day. Um, Then he cleans the menorah, Um, right? Here's the menorah. He cleans it out. Then uh, this is, by the way, the last picture in the book, 150 pictures. Um, Then he goes to the mikveh again. He puts on his own clothes and they escort him to his house. And there he has a feast. Uh, and those of you who are familiar, uh, at this point we usually sing a song called Mar Um, the We sing it usually on, on Yom Kippur after we finish the Avodah. That talks about when ev- when everything is done, they sing this song of relief, right? That the Kohen Gadol um left the right he finished his his avodah his service he was shalem he was whole he didn't die uh, and it's a great uh it's a great uh festival and a great uh joy uh, when everyone sees him um after this the temple service uh here the Gamara talks again uh to, to finish up there's a really uh, a long makhluk at andanda seventy um is the musaf uh, the the additional uh sacrifices are they brought with the morning or are they brought with the afternoon uh tamid uh, and that's the that's basically um the the end of daf seventy uh, and with that um I'm going to say have a Tov. uh as I mentioned um as I mentioned at the beginning first of all thank you everyone uh for joining on uh, not the the usual day. Um, next week, we're going back to our regular schedule. So next, not this Tuesday, because we just did, we did today, this week. Uh, so next Tuesday at our regular time, uh, we will meet, uh, and we will finish off, uh, and we will, we'll, we'll do, uh, I guess, a week and, and a day. So it won't be too much, uh, a week and two days, uh, of DAF. Uh, we are finishing Masecha Yoma. In uh, in two week, two and a half weeks. So get get ready. Uh, Bezrat Hashem, we will do our CM together. Uh, and wishing everybody a great week. And uh, and we'll see you soon. Have a good Thank week, you, everyone. Rabbi. Thank you.